Hello, everyone. My name is Jason Winters, Pastor Jason, and with me here today is Pastor Sean. And uh, we are here, and this is a podcast called At the Gate. And At the Gate is uh, where we sit and talk about biblical principles, about what God has uh, given us in his word, uh, not just to know, but to apply so that we can learn to love and live like Jesus better. So uh, today we're actually tackling a question um, that was given to us by someone in our congregation, I believe. Mm-hmm. And it, it said this, it says, how long should we keep witnessing to a loved one before we stop? So Sean, what is your uh, first kind of initial reaction to that type of a question? The first uh, initial reaction is I can definitely relate because there's been plenty of times there's, I have family who I know they've heard the gospel. I know they've been to church. I know they know who I am. And yet they still have not committed their life to Christ. And I go, am I doing something wrong? Am I not doing enough? Am, is there something I'm not saying that I should be saying? And I think the the underlying question in this question is what is witnessing really? Because I think we we limit it to speaking the gospel to people. So how many times do I need to speak the gospel to somebody before they respond correctly? And I think as we're going to unpack today, witnessing is so much more than just saying the gospel words, what the gospel is to people. It, 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 get, it gets unpacked in a, in a bigger way. Sure. So. Yeah. The gospel is way more than just words. It's the transformed life that comes out right. of, of you when you say yes to Christ. And so we wanted to kind of go through a couple of principles that we get in scripture about um, uh, how we share the gospel and what are we called to do as Christians? And are we called to stop? Is there ever a uh, individual that we come across that mm-hmm. God says, nope, stop don't share with them anymore or a, a situation where God says, all right, you're, you've good. You, you've met your quota. You can stop doing this now, move on. And, uh, I think we'll, we'll find some interesting, um, uh, scriptures, but first let's look at what Matthew 28, 18 through 20 says. Um, it is the great commission. It's the last words that Jesus gives his disciples before he leaves. So if you were about to leave and you had these last words that you wanted to impart right. on the people on your followers, what would you say? This is what Jesus chose to say. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And this is the ESV version. It says, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So first we see that this idea of witnessing is not just going and saying, hey, you should believe in Jesus, have a, have a nice day. You know, mm-hmm. hey, Jesus saved me. He wants to save you. See, see you later. It's an actual coming alongside people, teaching them, baptizing them, and showing them how to walk. It's creating disciples of, of followers of Jesus, not just fans of Jesus. Yeah. And uh, so how, how have you seen that uh, play out in your own life? Well, I think it's that's that's our aim, right? The Great Commission should be what we're doing. So making disciples is our goal. But in order to make disciples those people need to have a desire to follow Jesus. And that's where I think the problem lies in my experience with family members. Is I try to disciple them, get them walking with walking the steps of a believer of Jesus, 
before getting them to Jesus. Sure. So I, I, I want their behavior to change. I want the way they live their life to change before they meet the one who changes their life. Yep. And I think that's very important is if someone hasn't received Christ yet, that's where you stay until that person does. And maybe someday they will, maybe someday they won't. Mm-hmm. Um, which doesn't make sense if you think about it. But someday, the the idea that they they may never come to, to know Christ. But what we do know is that this authority is given to Christ, and Christ then imparts it to us to be His hands and feet, His His heart, His eyes to and the his people around us. Yep, exactly. exactly. And so, going around and sharing the good news with anybody and everybody who would be willing to hear. And it's important because teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you requires us to know how to lead those people. But again, the frustration comes when mm-hmm. I want to get to that point with somebody, but they won't let me. They won't let me. Yeah. And that is, I think in our American mindset of what success looks like, mm-hmm. we say, oh, cool. Somebody said yes to Jesus and they want to start walking with them. That's a success. Uh, however, if someone says no and they, they push back and say, no, I don't want that then we see that as not a success. Right. But that's not how the Bible defines success. Mm-hmm. The Bible says, go and, and teach, go and preach. Uh, in, uh, let me find it, 2 Timothy 4, 2 through 3, it says, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, <laughs> okay, reprove. That's a brand new theological term. I don't know how to do that. <laughs> Reprove, <laughs> rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. So there's patience involved. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, mm. but having itching ears, they will accum- uh, accumulate. Yes, I'm, I'm, I know how to read. Accumulate for themselves teachers uh, to suit their own passions. So here's, here's how the Bible just defines success. Are you preaching the word? Is the word going out from you? Is Jesus being on display in your life? Yes, then that is a success. Regardless of the response of the people around you, regardless of the response of, of, of their uh, hearing the gospel, whether they're for it and say, yes, I need this, or whether they're pushing back, say, I don't want to hear this, it's still a success story because the gospel was preached. Right. And that is something that we need to understand that, okay, so just because this family member that I'm sharing with is obstinate toward the gospel, that doesn't mean that it doesn't mean I should stop. The success is when his his word goes out from my mouth or his word goes out through my actions and yeah. they get to observe it. That's what success is. Well I think it would blow our minds if we were in a constant state of knowing the fact that we are preaching something to somebody every single day of our life. Yep. We are portraying something to somebody. We're a witness of something to somebody every day. And it just depends on, if, do we have the mindset of, I'm sharing the gospel with them today, or do we go, I'm going to set up a meeting and then share the gospel. And I think that's that's the whole limiting thing that we come into into play with is, how if I'm going to stop witnessing to my family members, it's this idea of, I want to stop saying the words of the gospel. But in reality... You speak it, you give them a substance to grab hold of, and then you live it so they see what it looks like. So you share the gospel with somebody, which I think is an important question to ask is, have I actually shared the gospel with them? Or have I just said, do you go to church? Do you, are you involved in a small group or something like that? Is what do you believe about Jesus? Have I asked that question to my family members? If I have, and they've, they've pushed back. Okay. Now I, I get to show somebody what it looks like to live out following Christ. And that is a witness that's mm-hmm. witnessing 
to, to somebody. So that, that almost puts a, a little bit more on my shoulders in a way of saying, man, what I say and what I do after I speak the gospel to somebody matters Mm -hmm. actually so much more because it shows that person that what I believe is actually true to me. Exactly. So if we look at real quick, before we move on to the next part, if we, if we look at the parable uh, that Jesus shares of uh, the sowing the seeds, Matthew 13, yeah, Matthew 13 goes out and says, Hey, um, some feet, some seed falls on the rocky ground. Some seed falls on the path, some Mm -hmm. seed, you know, all these different soils. And oftentimes we look at that and go, okay, well, you know, what, what soil am I dealing with? Or, and, and we look at it like that. But I think it's more important to look at, let's look at the sower. Where was he sowing? He wasn't super careful to make sure it only falls, you know, the, the seeds only fell on certain types of soil. Yeah. He, was, he was throwing it out there. Whoever, wherever he could send the gospel, the seed is is representative of the gospel message, the, the kingdom of God. Wherever he could throw it, he would throw it because it's an invitation to all, regardless of their response. Right. So whether it's falling on the, the good soil that's ready or the path or the rocks, it didn't matter. The gospel is an invitation for all. And so I think there, there's a principle to be gathered there. The, of us not picking and choosing who we share the gospel with right. based on what we think their response is going to be. Well, we don't want to look dumb. We don't want to look like, yeah. we don't want to go to the person that we feel is going to say no. So why do we even waste our time? And so we, we get very choosy on where we plant the seeds. Yep. And that is a great picture. I think we get so focused on those four different soils that we forget, well, this guy's being to the culture, probably very reckless with the way he's dealing with the seeds that are supposed to grow fruit. But the the concern is to make sure that the seeds get to the ground, no matter what type of ground it is, because it may take, it may not, but you won't know unless you you share it. So I think that's a great principle to remember. So on the other side of this is there are times when people are just going to be obstinate. And so there is a, there's a few times in scripture where one where Jesus in Matthew 10, 14, he sends his disciples out two by two, I believe to go and share the gospel. And he says, this says, if anyone will not receive you uh, or listen to your word, shake the dust from your feet when you leave that house or town and move Mm -hmm. on to the next one. So I think the principle there is that there are there is going to be pushback for the gospel. Uh, Jesus promised us we're, you're going to be hated by the world. If the world hated him, the world's going to hate you. If the way world hated his message, the world's going to hate your message. So th- we got to be expecting that, yeah. that, okay, there is going to be some opposition. And if, uh, if God closes that door, then move on into the next door. Um, it's... It's easy to sit there and bang your head against that door going, no, God, you don't understand. I love this person. They mean the world to me. It's my daughter. It's my son. It's right. my husband. It's my wife. And But if that door is closed right now, you are not the one that's going to change a heart. God is the only one that can change a heart. The Holy Spirit is the only one that can transform a heart. And as long as you have shared that message with them, mm-hmm. it's the Holy Spirit's job to work with them and their heart with the, with the message. So... Does that mean you walk away and you write them off? Does that mean, nope, that door's closed forever? No, not at all. It just could be a not now. And we don't like not now. We like black and white answers. We like God saying yes or no. But when he says wait, we struggle with that. Yeah. And we just saw that you know, with great patience. We preach the word with great patience and teaching. And um, so when we move on from that point, so... How have you seen that in your life where someone has been obstinate and you just wanted to write that person off? 
um, rather than, I mean, or what did, what did you do? Yeah. So, I mean, there's, I've responded in very different ways and I don't think I hit the mark perfectly any of the times, but w- one of the ones that comes to my mind, uh, there's actually a family member for a couple of years. I was just so focused on this person knowing Jesus and making the change at when you experience something and, and you want somebody else to experience it and they won't do it, it's frustrating. Yeah. My problem was, is I was getting debilitated by it. It was causing me to not move forward. It was causing me to miss people that were willing to grow. And I got so tunnel visioned on this one individual. I said, until this person says, yes, I can't do anything else. Mm-hmm. Essentially is what my lifestyle was saying. I probably wouldn't say that out loud because I know better. God says, you're not done. Don't stop here and then just get stuck here. There are other people who want to learn and grow. So my my response to that was I spent two years just feeling like a failure or trying to find these different mm-hmm. methods to get to this person and forgetting the aspect of, okay, I've done my part as the farmer. I've got to trust God's process in the growing process. Because think about it. If, if, if a farmer goes out and plants a seed, the farmer doesn't go, okay, let me position the sun perfectly. Let me make sure the rain falls right here. Let me make sure that the soil is doing what soil does and that the seed actually opens. The, the farmer, to a degree, has to trust the process of what God put into place with how things grow. The same goes for the gospel. I know how to plant the gospel. I speak it, I live it. And then I need to trust God with it. Mm-hmm. But again, if I feel like I haven't done that, which has been in other cases, I th- there was another family member that I was kind of, I would say, beating around the bush when it came to presenting the gospel. It was almost as if I wanted them to ask me the questions so that I could speak it to them. Sure. And uh, sometimes there's not going to be a perfect opportunity to say it. But if it pops into your head, I don't think that's, by accident. I don't think unselfish thoughts um, are manifested by Sean Hogan. I think God puts these these thoughts into my head and I have a choice to respond and 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 say yes to God in that moment and share or mm-hmm. I can miss the opportunity. Doesn't mean that person's not going to get reached, but I get to miss I miss out. Yeah. So, I think with with the pushback, I've experienced those kind of things. Okay. I think uh, there's been times when I've gotten so frustrated and taken it personally yeah. when someone pushes back against the gospel. And so then that's an opportunity for my flesh then to raise up and for me to go, well, fine, you know, and just and have this like, uh, you know, kind of fine, go to hell attitude, which is awful. That should never, ever be a Christian's attitude ever because we know hell's a real place and we know that separation from God is is torment for eternity. That's we should never wish that anyone, but that sinful fleshliness can come up inside of us when we think that they're rejecting us, but they're actually rejecting Christ. They're rejecting God. And so for us to realize that I was in their place at one time, yeah. I was rejecting Christ. I was not deserving of the grace that I have. Um, so I need to make sure that I am long suffering with people. And it doesn't, uh, it doesn't mean that I become a punching bag for someone or, mm-hmm. um, but it does re- mean that, I mean, Romans 12, 17 through 18 says, repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. And that's even with someone who is just obstinate toward the gospel uh, because your kind response might be what God uses to start changing their heart. And maybe it's through your words. Maybe it's not. Maybe you just decide. They say, I don't want to hear about God anymore. I don't want to hear about your Jesus. I don't want to hear about the Bible. 
just be quiet. And then you say, all right, I'm going to choose to honor you by, by not talking about it. But they can't do anything about your attitude. They can't mm-hmm. do anything about how you live the gospel in front of them. Yeah. And them viewing your transformed life, um, that as you choose to let the spirit live rather than the flesh, then that will have an effect on them. And I, I think of also Romans 2, 4 where it talks about God's kindness that leads leads us to repentance. Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? Yeah. So our repentance was not because God came and beat us over the head. Our repentance was because we got to see the amazing kindness of God calling me a sinner who didn't deserve it to receive his love, his grace, and his forgiveness. And that's the same picture that God wants us to put on display for those who are obstinate toward the gospel. And the thing I love about the Romans passage, the Romans 12 passage you brought up is, as far as it depends on you, yeah. as far as it depends on you, live, live peaceably, peaceably with all. There, there tends to be this, if we're not at peace, then there's, there's something that I have to fix. But as long as you're promoting peace, as long as you are living at peace, you've done your part to live at peace with people. That's all you can do. That's all you have control of. The same, like like you said, people can't control your obedience to God. We can't control people's response to God. But we can control how much we're portraying God mm-hmm. to others when we live our lives. Yeah. And kindness is one of those ways. Yeah. And it's it's counterculture because the culture says, well, if someone does this to you, you do this to them. So the repay evil for evil con- concept but if we live opposite, which Jesus tended to do with his life, he lived in this upside down way of living. To be a servant was to be elevated. To, mm-hmm. And um, we get to choose to be that if mm-hmm. we want to. And that is being Christ yeah. to people. That is portraying who Jesus is. It gives people a glimpse. And there's been some cases where people have asked me, why are you so forgiving of that person? How can you respond in that way? I could never do that. And I say, you know what? I couldn't either. But I met someone who did and who can, and he's the example I follow. Yeah, exactly. His name is Jesus. So, it's interesting. There's a there's a story that I was told. My my parents, uh, they uh, ran a recovery home, Christian recovery home called In His Steps. It's here in Ramona. You know that, and yeah. I know that. And um, there was uh, there's been a couple times, but there's one instance they told me about of of someone who had gone through the program. And then they were back out on the streets and they go through the program again and back out on the streets. And they did it three or four times of uh, going through the program and then falling. And the person tried to uh, come into the home one more time. And there's a board of directors sitting around the table and they were going around just going, no, 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 because of, of the obstinance and the, you know, the, the problems and the, he just keeps going back on the streets, you know, we, he needs... Uh, this is not it. That's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. It went all the way around the board. Everyone's saying no, no, no to his asking to come back in. And there was one person on the board that said, guys, I think we need to give him another shot. And this, it was the you know fourth or fifth time. And they all kind of looked around the room and they said, well, let's pray about it. They prayed about it. And they said, all right, one more time. And, you know, just, and that was the time. That's, this wow. is the time he went through the through the program. After that, he stayed clean. He got his marriage back together. It was it was God's trans, transformation, and they did. They chose not to write him off, even though their own human feelings were, "I'm done with him. I'm done with it with the rebelliousness in this guy." But it took one person to change the the feeling of the entire board to say, "Let's show kindness one mm-hmm. more time." 
And uh, so that might be, maybe that's where you're at today is, is God's, you know, tugging on your heart saying, I know you're tired. I know you're beat down. Um, but let's show kindness one more time. Yeah. Well, some people would look at that situation and say, well, what was wrong with the other opportunities before that? What was different? And there sometimes isn't any difference. It was, what is God doing in their heart in that moment? Mm-hmm. What we're called to do is, is keep that, don't burn that bridge that they have to run back on. Exactly. And I heard a story of the, when a story about the story of the prodigal son. So when Jesus shares the story of the prodigal son, the idea of the father being so excited when his son who had gone so wayward and, and spent all of his money and did everything wrong, how excited his father was when the son started coming across not the bridge, we call it the bridge, but coming home. And if we desire for our family members to know Christ, when we write them off, we essentially are saying, I'm not giving you that opportunity anymore, which it's not in our control ultimately, but in the way we live and the way we treat them, um, that is not what Christ is. Christ doesn't burn the bridge to them. Mm-hmm. Um, he wants us to arms wide open for when they are ready to come back, not arms wide out, ready to strangle them and bring them. It's like you can't force someone into that. It doesn't work that way. I've tried it. I'm going to no. drag you to Jesus, kicking and screaming. <laughs> yeah. But, but I, I, I heard that concept. A, a sermon was preached. The idea of don't burn the bridge that they have to run back on mm-hmm. to meet Jesus. And I think, are you ready? Are you available? to present Christ to them when they're ready to hear? And are you praying actively for those people that they would know Christ or have you given up on them? Because we don't have a savior who gave up on us. Um, We get to represent him here. So as we look back at this question, how long should we keep witnessing to a loved one before we stop? If you had to give a one sentence, two sentence answer, uh, what would you say? You don't. You don't. Okay, hey, that was a short answer. <laughs> oh, you said sentence. I thought you said word. Um, my, I would say uh, don't give up on them. You may be the only light in your family for them to see Jesus accurately. And that is a, that is a heavy responsibility, but it's an honorable responsibility. To, to be in a place of knowing your eternity is going to be spent with Christ and to in turn be a representative of that to somebody else. And I always say, as long as there's one candle lit in a, in a family, that house that household can never be 100% dark. Mm-hmm. And we can feel outnumbered if we live in a family that doesn't know Jesus. But as long as we're, we're steadfast in our faith and representing Christ, then um, there should never be a moment in my life where I say, it's too late for you as long as that person has breath in their lungs. Mm-hmm. As long as they're here on earth, that's still an opportunity for them to receive Christ. And I shouldn't give up on them. Yes. And uh, I would say adding to that, that's beautiful. Um, I would say I don't think it's a, a you stop. I think it's a you change approaches. Yeah. Uh, depending Absolutely. on how they re- receive what you say. If they say, don't talk to me anymore about it, you say, okay, I won't talk to you, but I'm going to live it out in front of you. Mm. And not to not to shame you and not to you know show you how much better I am, but I'm going to show you what a transformed life looks like. I'm going to show you what the transforming love and, and kindness of Jesus Christ has done for me. And hopefully God will use that to change their heart. 
uh, about the gospel message. Well, that's great because people aren't cookie cutter. I think we want people to be cookie cutter because it makes life easier. It's like, just follow this method and it will work. It's Mm -hmm. the guaranteed method that works. So I love that because Mm -hmm. you may say the same things that this person said to their family member and their family member said yes and yours didn't. It's like, well, why not? Well, this is a different creation of God. This is a different human. They're going through different things. You're going through different things. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's the same God overall. So... So we got a couple of minutes. If I could end with a story uh, of something that happened in, in my life about witnessing, uh, and you've heard this story before about my neighbor. Yeah. Um, very obstinate, angry man uh, who we had several run-ins with him where he was already angry about something else, and then I come on the scene and he just poured his anger out on me, peeled out on my truck, you know, and put put rocks, rocks. all over my windshield. And then uh, I, I drive home, pull in my driveway, and he gets out of his car with his fist ready to fight me. And I'm just like, what's going on, man? He's like, why are you following me? And I'm like, uh, I, I live right here. I wasn't following you. <laughs> and uh, and then I come out another time, and somebody parked near where he parks, and he was angry at them. So he was stacking up cinder blocks around their car to like block them in. It was just weird. And I came out and just said, hey, how you doing, man? What's going on? And he turned and just started cussing me out. And I said, hey, hey, I got my kids in the car, if you could mind your language. And he looked straight in the, straight in the eyes and he said, I don't give a blank about your kids. And wow. at that moment, dude, you wouldn't believe the, the fleshly desires that were welling up inside. I bet you wanted to repay evil with evil. I definitely did. <laughs> uh, I was thinking, I'm like, you know what? Pastor Jason's going to be in jail tonight because <laughs> uh, I'm going to go after this guy. But in that moment, I've, I'm ready to, to you know, defend my kids and my property. And my blah, blah, blah. I just felt God say kindness. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. Kindness. You know, this guy's giving me nothing. And so in that moment, I just shut my mouth and I said, have a nice day. And I got in my truck and drove. And um, so that night, I actually got on the phone with with one of the police officers that we have at our congregation. I told him the situations and I said, man, what do I do about this? And he said, well, he's like, you could call us and we could come out and uh, and talk to him. But we have to leave and then you're stuck with the neighbor who just got talked to right. by the police officers. And you had to deal with Gets them again. This. <laughs> so that, and I actually had a, a guy who was living on my property at that time. And he's like, you do something about this or I'm going to do something about it. Like he was fed up with it too. And so that night I was just like, God, I don't know what to do. I'm at my end. I don't have what it takes to mend this relationship. I don't know what I've, I haven't done anything to mm-hmm. deserve it. And, um, so I just prayed, left it in his hands. So the next day I'm sitting, working on my computer at home and my wife, Heather, comes in and says, hey, uh, our neighbor's in the driveway. And I'm just like, you got to be kidding me. Oh, no. Not again. <laughs> so I walk out and I said, hey, what's up, man? Expecting to just get an earful again. And he looks at me and he says, how do you do it? And I said, how do I do what? And he said, I've been nothing but nasty to you. And you've always just repaid me with kindness. How do you do that? And I got to see scripture come alive right in my driveway as I stood there, as I thought about, you know, as, as we choose to uh, not repay evil for evil, but with kindness, it's like keeping burning coals on their head to bring shame upon them. And that's what he, he saw how I acted and how he was acting. And he said, something's wrong with me. Yeah. And um, so this, this, wow. this yelling back and forth and, the, you know, that was gone. And it was him coming to me saying, how do you do it? And I got to lead this guy to Christ in my driveway. I got to pray with him. 
and moving forward in our relationship. He'd actually come to me and talk to me about things he's struggling with and when his brother got sick. And uh, since he's moved away, but just before he moved away, we met together in, a, in the parking lot at the grocery store. He's like, Jason, and he ran across. I got to pray for him before he left. And uh, it was just amazing to see what, what our kindness can do in the witnessing realm. And uh, so... That, that's just a story of, of how I got to see God work powerfully, and it wasn't me. It was completely God, because if I had done what I would have wanted to do, then I would have been in jail or, or <laughs> you know, I, I wouldn't have uh, been the example that I needed to be. Yeah. It's God. It's you saying, God, I trust you with the character you've called me to live, even when it, it doesn't, doesn't make sense. Oh, man, we like said that at the same time. And we're going to end with that, I think, because yes. <laughs> 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 But I think that's uh, that's important, and I hope that if you have family members that are not receptive to the gospel, we will pray for them. We don't know their names, but we know the God who does know their names. He created them. Mm-hmm. They're not by accident, and he didn't place you in that family by accident. So be bold, be ready, and don't give up on him. Yeah. In fact, let's pray right now if you're yeah. cool with that. Let's pray for your family members. And uh, Lord, we just lift up uh, all who are watching right now and the people that they've been witnessing to, trying to share the message of Christ with. God, we pray for one, that you would prepare the soils of their heart. God, you prepare them to hear, uh, be, be turning their hearts back to you. Um, and God, for those who are sharing, we pray, God, that you give them a boldness and a readiness to preach the word in season and out of season, whether it's being received or not. And God, give us wisdom on how to change our approach or how to uh, keep the same approach. Lord, we just want to follow your Holy Spirit's leading. And uh, we want to just put it in your hands because you're the one who changes hearts. Lord, we just want to be tools that are used for uh, building your kingdom. Yes. And we pray for everyone here that's listening and everyone we're witnessing to, God. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Well, God bless you all. Thank you for joining us today, Pastor Jason and Pastor Sean. And this has been Epic Gate.